Hey, everybody, coming up on the Matt Townsend Show today. Have you ever used one of these phrases? You ready? You got to do it right or don't bother doing it at all. Thanks, Mom. Or how about this one? If you want something done right, you have to do it yourself. We are talking about perfectionism up on the show in a minute, how it might actually be making more mistakes for you in your life by simply trying to be perfect. That's up next right after the news with Sam McCall. This is Sam McCall for BYU Radio News. A report in the South China Morning Post is claiming Edward Snowden took his job as a contractor for the NSA solely to gather information about top-secret surveillance programs. Snowden's whereabouts are currently unknown, though he was allowed to flee China for Russia yesterday. Affirmative action did not get a sweeping ruling from the Supreme Court today. Instead, the court sent a case regarding college admissions back to a lower court with a warning schools will have to be more purposefully defended of their admissions policies in the future. The first day of George Zimmerman's murder trial saw Zimmerman's family barred from the courtroom as they could be potential witnesses. Zimmerman still holds he acted in self-defense when he shot and killed unarmed teen Trayvon Martin over a year ago. A new measure passing in the Texas State House will add so many restrictions to abortion clinics, most in the state will be forced to close. Democrats in the state Senate are already vowing to do all they can to stop the bill from succeeding. A fresh batch of severe thunderstorms is set to hit portions of the Midwest today, bringing with it hail, high winds, and possibly tornadoes. The storm will also likely slow down efforts to restore power to tens of thousands of people who have been in the dark since an earlier storm over the weekend. High walker Nick Walenda pulled off an impressive feat of human ability over the weekend, 1,500 feet above the ground. The daredevil successfully crossed the Little Colorado River Gorge near the Grand Canyon with nothing holding him to his wire but his own impressive balance. In world news, as waters in southern Alberta, Canada begin to recede after massive floods, over 65,000 people are being allowed to return to their homes. Officials say while the city of Calgary is still in a state of emergency, about 90% of it should be reopened tomorrow. Forest fires in Indonesia have continued to cause heavy haze to drift into neighboring Malaysia, reaching toxic levers, levels excuse me, over the weekend. Many Malaysian schools were forced to close today due to the poor air quality. That's the news to the top of the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program. This is the show where we do what we can to give you the tools, the skills. We bring in the experts to help us with some of those things that we all battle in life. You know, we could just beat you up and call you names. Uh, You know, a lot of shows like to do that. No, we don't want to just laugh at your problems. Uh, We want to help you with the problem. So welcome to the program. We've got a great topic for you today. I'm going to give you a quiz. Everybody ready? You ready, Merritt? I have a feeling you might ace this one. I am ready. You seem a little down, Merritt. I'm tired. I had a great weekend. What did you do? Yeah, you went home. I did. Let's talk about it. Was it perfect? It was wonderful. Did you eat? Lots of food, yes. What was your best meal? Because I'm hungry. Best meal. Well, we had barbecue. That was great. Ooh. Had some yeah. tacos, lasagna. Mm. Covers all three nights. When you go home and you have mom's home cooking after being a student, that's very satisfying. It is. Especially because you didn't have to make it. Exactly. See? Yeah. <laughs> that's good living. So apparently, but you're all tired now. I am. 
I am too. Oh, Are okay. you tired? Oh, you're going to Hawaii. What I'm I'm on my at my wits end getting ready to uh, go on vacation. It's a lot harder when you don't have you know mom and dad doing all the like scheduling yeah. flights and making sure everyone yeah. everyone has when you're batteries. A grown up, you mean? Yeah, grown it's up. Harder. That's pretty much what I'm saying. Grown up is awful. Don't well, do it, kids. I'm glad you're here. I made it. I and, barely. But you're kind of useless because you're leaving. Yeah, totally trunky. But Colonel Sanders is back. Yay! Hello, Robbie. Yay. Welcome back, Colonel. Well, thank you. That uh, You had a good trip? Mm-hmm. I caught a cold. You did? On the sunny beaches. Of California. Yeah. Really? Hey, I went to your famous date spot, uh, Griffith's Observatory. Oh, cool. Took my, my, actually, my son took us there. Oh, okay. Didn't take your wife? And we took the whole family, but it was really busy. Well, of course. Almost, Every, everything's busy, but it doesn't killed. mean it can't still be a great date spot. It was a great family date spot. Yeah. But the long lines, there were long lines because we were there at night. They get to let uh, your kids look in the telescope? Uh, that was the line yeah. that we had to wait for if we wanted to do it, and it was too long. Oh, it was great. It gave me a chance to talk to my date while we stood in line, and I got to see a planet with a ring on it. Yeah. Which was cool. It was the first time I ever saw anything in a telescope that wasn't just a white dot. <laughs> You're like, hey, there's something to that planet. It's, it's got pretty, a ring. It's pretty cool. That's cool. Uh, everything else okay? You yeah. had a good trip? Yeah. D- date? Um, no, I didn't do that this trip. Good. Just took You're a just vacation. trying to – you just kicked back on the beach and caught colds. Caught a cold. How did you do that? Swimming in the waters near L.A.? What were you doing? Yeah. Like, is that how you got no, the cold? I, yeah. Well, sun the other side – sun cold. To save money, I don't stay in hotels. I stay in relatives who are yeah. eight, 85 miles away. And so every day, it was yeah. like, I want to go into L.A. That'll wear so, you out. Yeah. A few, I, a few hundred miles driving around. Um, I know what it is. I've discovered. Uh, my grandma used to tell me that if I don't wear socks, I'll catch a cold. You can't wear socks to the beach. Exactly. So that's why you caught the cold. Yeah. You well, were sockless. Hmm? There's, there's Listen a, to my nana. There's a Sanders. lot of people at that beach sneezing and stuff. I think there's probably... I think there's a, there's just a cold thing going around. Um, well, welcome back. And Skyboy, you still alive and well? Yep. Did you have a good weekend? Um, it was okay. Boring. Yeah. Okay, that was boring. <laughs> but I uh, appreciate it. Okay, I'm going to give you a quiz. And I want you guys to answer these in your head and see if something starts to appear. Are you ready? Do you feel like your accomplishments are never good enough? No. Yes. Wow. You don't have to answer them out loud, but if you do, that's fun. So uh, you value people based on their achievements, like their degrees. No. Oh. We Only didn't... if it's a good achievement. Yeah. Uh, you believe doing your best doesn't cut it? Uh, yes. Goodness. You take mistakes personally and hesitate to try again. So if you, if you make a mistake, you take it personally, you kind of felt like you had your hand slapped, you're not going there again. Inwardly, yes. Outwardly, blame it on your team. Wow. We, we are your team, Rob. You just told us your whole MO. <laughs> okay, watch out for Rob. He may blame it on you. Uh, you are vulnerable to rejection. No one's answering. That's good. <laughs> Internalize that one. Well, if we give the wrong answer, we'll be rejected. Well, apparently we just won't that, be able means, to handle that means it. you all are because no <laughs> you're all throwing something out every once in a while. That was like, no, that one hurts. Uh, you do what you should, not what you want. Mm. You're like a pleaser. Hmm? 
By the way, you out in listening land, are you, are you taking note here? Do any of these apply to you, or or a lot of these apply to the, you? Uh, you are hard on others and your and yourself. You expect perfection from others. I expect you to do it right. Do it the way I would do it. Hello. It's <sighs> a hard one. You develop uh, an obsession with perfection. Hmm. You feel you never measure up. You fear failure in relationships and have difficulties being intimate. You don't pursue a relationship out of fear. It might not be perfect. And you become critical of others and your partner. Okay. What am I getting at here? Huh? Are you trying to make me feel bad for all the things that I don't do well? You all seem so sad. That's not what we do here, right? Am I trying to make you feel bad for not being perfect? Oh, are you mad? Is that what you're trying to do to me? exactly what I'm trying to do. Perfection. Those are all signs of a perfectionist. But it's a recession, and if you're not perfect, you won't get a job. You're a recessionist. Exist. It's a perfection recessionist. Right, Skyboy? You're so smart, Matt. Thank you. Doctor. Doctor Matt. Matt. Okay, you're now placating. You're just saying that. You're a doctor. I don't feel your love. I know I'm a doctor, but I don't feel your... I would trust any advice you gave me. Really? Yes. Really? Okay. (laughs) Write that down. Write that down. We're coming back to that. Um, Okay. So here we sit. I didn't bring it up with you, Skyboy. Talking about perfection. I don't know if you heard what happened last Thursday night. There was a game. Matt, come on. The Spurs met the Heat. And let's just say they melted. Are you with me? I, I'm very aware of what happened. I thought about you. I'm sure you did because you're bringing it up now. But I, but I think that we need to address it. Talk about it. Is that what was going on Thursday night? I was walking uh, along Las Vegas Boulevard and everybody was screaming at a TV. That was it. And I, I had no idea. That was it. The big, the biggest game of the year. I should know that. Come on, Colonel. <laughs> so how did you handle it? Because I mean, you're a perfectionist when it comes to the Spurs. You demand perfection. <laughs> you need a W. Um, I was very upset. I was very, very, very. Remember, because you like you have a hard. I was time. more. I was more upset because they should have won in Game Six, yeah. and they were thirty sec. They had brought the trophy out. They were thirty seconds away. I was cheering. You're still thinking about Game Six. I am. I don't know if that's. It's just. That's, I mean, that's. What do you do? They lost Game Seven. They yeah. they got beat flat out. They flat out. Beat. They got beat. Yeah. But you they, predict any uh, NBA Finals match? Who the winner is going to be? Always bet on the larger TV market. It'll always go to game, what, seven? Wow. It'll always be the larger TV market. Miami is a bigger market. Are you saying they're, like, throwing the game? Like, the the refs throw the game to the bigger market? Well, yeah. I don't. Perfection. So it's interesting. Dallas beat Miami two years ago, so that's not always true. Dallas is a bigger TV market than Miami. In fact, sports is a really good place because we're talking perfectionism today. Sports is a great place because how many times have I sat on a sideline with a dad yelling at his son to be perfect at a sport? that he's really not even physiologically or mentally able to do. He's like, come on, hit that guy. And the kid's still got a binky in his mouth, a pacifier. It's not good. He's not grown to the point yeah. where he can really. He needs a mouth guard, not a pacifier. Right. Especially that age 12 to age 15 uh, football league. Yeah. And you put the little 12-year-old on the line. Oh. Tackle him! My son was asking me, so, Dad, can I play football this year? And my answer was no. Wait, was so was this the kid that... Uh, broke his arm? 
Yes. No. No. He's pretty much sure he's not playing football. Good call on his part. By the way, he throws a killer curveball now. I bet. His arm's just distorted. Two elbows? Could, yeah. <laughs> right? He's pretty good. Uh, no, my, this is another son, and I'm I'm like saying, no, you're not going to play because last year when you played and it came like the time to really hit people, you would back off and you didn't want to hit. So that's a pretty good sign that you're just not liking to hit. And if you don't want to hit in football, you may as well not play it. There's flag football. He'd be great. <laughs> but, you know, you can't go pro in flag unless you play. Yeah, you can't. So – I'm saying no. And basically now I'm realizing because maybe I'm like a perfectionist. He is actually excited to do it just because he's it's social. His friends are all doing it. But I'm sitting there thinking, well, no, if you're not – if you can't do it well, don't do it at all. Yeah, don't, don't try. So am I a perfectionist? Yeah. Plus I don't want to spend $500. <laughs> so I'm just a tightwad. I'm a tightwad-actionist, which is like a perfectionist with when money's involved. Always. Tightwad actionist. Mm-hmm. Do you guys know the definition of perfection? Listen to this. This is from Webster's Dictionary. He de- they define uh, perfectionism as a disposition. Listen to this. This is why it's deadly. A disposition which regards anything short of perfect as unacceptable. Anything short of perfect as unacceptable. The, um, so Merritt walked right back in the room. You're back, Merritt. I'm back. Do you consider yourself a perfectionist? Um, somewhat. I was when I was younger. It's something I've kind of grown out of. That's cool. But I definitely was one when I was younger. You wanted things perfect. Yeah, exactly perfect. Was your bedroom like made clean to the hilt perfect? No, it was more, it more had to do, I wouldn't, I hated to try new things. My um, parents had me join like a baseball league when I was in third grade and that was the most terrorizing, traumatizing, like Tryouts. Yeah. Thought I was going to die. <laughs> and then um, grades, too. Yeah. I always had to get the A. A's and yes. H's. Yes. A's and H's. A's and H's. <laughs> Isn't that funny? I never had that problem. No. I, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. I would definitely lose sleep, even if it, like, slipped down to an A-. minus. Really? Like, yeah. Were you, all, were you all like that? Because you're some smart cougars here. Broke that in fifth grade. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, was, I was on board until school started getting actually difficult. Then I was like... Accept me as I am. Yeah, if I'm passing, I'm winning. <laughs> That's sad. Sky, but you were, I could tell, you were an A-H kid. Oh, no, you weren't because you used to sneak out. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I liked getting good grades. Did you? Yeah. If I got a bad grade, I didn't lose sleep, though. But I I was upset if I didn't. That's hard. Robbie, were you a perfectionist? If you can't get it perfect, you might as well just wreck it. Take a bedroom growing up. <laughs> just destroy that it. That place was trashed, you know? So you but just then gave later, up. well, yeah, but now the bedroom's spotless. No See, socks bet, on the floor. I bet anything, everything you know? in your house is in complete order because your desk is. Well, my dad, eh, I don't know. That is true. Actually, my work desk, if I can't have it perfect, that's just, interesting. Just wreck it. Your email account isn't. Um, or is it? I haven't seen no, it. No, I, I caught up. I, I had 200 messages, but I caught up with them. It's a big deal because you're tormented. If, if you're a perfectionist, you're never good enough. You can never make it work and even if you do you could do better i could do better but i guess it's it's not just a perfectionist me worrying about me it eventually impacts others is that right matt yeah in fact i was doing some research on this prior to the show and i found a really interesting article talking about different kinds of perfectionists and um heavyweight lightweight so well what it really has to do with who you expect the perfectionism from okay so 
there are three kinds. The first is called self-oriented perfectionists. And those are those people who hold high standards for themselves and so want to achieve those standards. And I think that's kind of maybe where I am a perfectionist now. I still hold really high standards for myself. But I guess that's probably a healthier perfection because it's just about me. I'm not expecting the world to change. Yeah. And in fact, in this study, what it said is that um, self-oriented perfectionists are those who get a sense of pleasure from putting their their best full effort into things. Yeah. That's where they get their self-esteem. So obviously, if you don't achieve something, that can be more damaging. But if you kind of learn to maybe use that perfectionism to make you better. So that's healthier because you're not obsessed. You're not. I mean, I guess it's when you can't get out of bed because you're not cutting it. Yeah, that would be bad. That would be really bad. Unless you want to be perfect at not getting out of bed. Well, I would be really good. Then you've nailed it (laughs) because I felt that this morning. Um, The second kind is other-oriented perfectionists. And those are people who want other people to be perfect for them. That might be the dad that didn't go pro football that's now making his 12-year-old go pro football. Yeah, yeah. I I always think it's like the girlfriend who expects her boyfriend to be Prince Charming. Mm It doesn't work out very well. Not going to (laughs) work. No. And the last kind is socially prescribed perfectionists. And this is what's really interesting is that for some reason these people – think that others are holding up that high standard for them. Oh. And that's kind of where I think I was when I was a kid. I thought yeah. I was going to disappoint my parents yeah. if I didn't do well, even though that couldn't be farther from the truth. But I I thought that other people wouldn't like me uh-huh. if I didn't live up to those imaginary standards. standards. Yeah. And those kinds of perfectionists are the ones who that says can be compared to neurotic perfectionists. They're the ones who just have a really, really hard time of it. It's very unhealthy for them. Oh, that's sad. There's a because there's a time with every kid, every parent child I've learned relationship where you actually realize who they are for themselves. You know what I mean? Like you always frame your child your way. Like people say, "Oh, tell us about your kids," and this one does this, and this one's good at this, and, and you kind of have a little niche for every one of your kids. And then all of a sudden, so one of them breaks your your story and it creates this real moment where you're like oh man do you so you feel pressured to have to be that because i've told people that you're that and oh that's hard <sighs> see that's why we shouldn't be in each other's lives we should all live on islands or go to mars if we could see. just all go to a different planet it'll never work but some of your planets would be very perfect some would be seriously messed up. That's why we need a little bit of everything. We're going to be talking today to Sue Bergen. And Sue um, has, I think she can help us a lot with this. Sue is an author, a chaplain, a journalist. She's going to fill us in. She's going to give us some tools uh, to deal with perfectionism, hopefully blow up some of the myths while we're at it. Because it's just, you know, it's really hard to be perfect. I don't know if you've noticed that. It's even harder to uh, think that you need to be. This uh, is the Matt Townsend Show. When we come back, we'll also be talking to Bryce Tobin. He's going to talk about how hard it is to keep putting out really perfect rants every day. We'll get into that right after this. You're listening to the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio. A new kind of flexible dry sensor makes monitoring your heart and vital signs as easy as putting on a T-shirt. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. When doctors want to monitor your heart in space or on Earth, they do it using an EKG, an electrocardiogram. A web of thin wire electrodes are attached around your chest with tape, suction cups, and glue to detect the electrical signals that control your heart. 
This tangle of wires is an itchy, complicated hassle at the best of times, but having to use it in microgravity, trailing the wires all over the inside of the International Space Station? That was a real problem. That is until NASA's Johnson Space Center partnered with Nanosonic Incorporated. Their new nanomaterial called metal rubber makes possible a flexible, reusable sensor that does away with all the glue and fasteners, and it can connect to a wireless relay or built-in recording device. By building the sensors into a washable shirt, the task of getting wired up for an EKG becomes trivial. In addition, a shirt like this can add features like pulse, respiration, and more items to what's being monitored. The EKG shirt has obvious sports performance monitoring applications and may end up as a fashion must for future space station researchers. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. On Highway 89, not only can you hear musicians playing live, but you get to hear them talk about their work. And some of their influences might surprise you. I had headphones and I would listen to other things uh, like Van Halen and Journey and, and Rush that also influenced uh, influence my compositions and arrangements. I don't know if it's, it's apparent, but, but I think it is in there somewhere. Catch Highway 89 weekdays at 10 p.m. Eastern here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Sitting here with the wonderful Bryce Tobin. Bryce is about to head to Hawaii to just get a beach cold. I'm going to catch one myself. Which island are we going to? We're going to Oahu. Ooh, Oahu. That's a fun island. I like it. Um, It's near perfect there. Near perfect. Yes. Okay. You do these things called a rant, which is... Kind of your uh, uh, my shtick. Your shtick. It would be your negative bent, but they're not always negative. They're actually very profound. Why? Thank you. That's a nice little validation. The, the, the idea, the idea of being a rant, would be that you're sitting there just kind of ranting. But sometimes you're not ranting. You're just pontificating, even. Yeah. Okay. You do them every day, pretty much, and they're very good. People call in and say. When's where? Who wrote that? Who said that? Where is he? Because I want to meet him after the show on the way out to the car. I want to give him money. That's what they say. Uh, I've never heard that. No, I have heard. I want to give him a piece of my mind. I've heard that one. So uh, this rant, you put together a rant about how hard it is to put together a perfect rant. It's a little view behind the curtains. Here we go. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is the Bryce's right. Years ago, a horse was quite the gift. I don't see why exactly. I think they're giant four-legged terror monsters that people are too quick to trust. But I recently found out a fun little fact about them. You can tell a horse's age from its teeth. As they age, their gums recede and their teeth appear longer. Well, way back when, if someone were to go out of their way to give me a horse, the proper thing to do would be to act gracious, because regardless, my number of horses has just increased. The wrong thing to do would be to immediately check out the quality of the horse in front of the person giving me the horse. As if to say, hey yeah, you just did this nice thing for me, but I want to see just how nice exactly. From this we get the phrase, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. But I'll come back to that in a second. 
I feel lots of pressure to get these pre-recorded things right the first time. The process starts in our post-show meeting. That's where we figure everything out for the next show. As we talk about next show's topic, we've all learned to wait until I get incensed about something. It usually doesn't take long, but at some point I'll get mad about something. And then someone will yell, that's your rant. So that's how we figure that part out. Then I'll start writing. My first draft is usually pretty rude and heavy with sarcasm. So I'll go through and make things a little more cheery and a little less surly. I would like to note that I always feel a little disappointed by this step, but I realize it's for the greater good. The second draft will always be a little bit rambly. I start with six or seven topics that I want to hit, but that always seems to be a little bit too much. I don't have enough time to focus on one before I have to switch gears, so I whittle everything down to three or four topics because that's a little easier to ingest. Third draft will have brainy jokes. They all make sense to me, and some of you might get them, but even if you did, I don't think they would have been particularly funny. For example, I recently tried to make a joke about tree functions. You see, in math, a tree one function equals one, a tree two function equals three, and then something very strange happens happens and a tree three function equals a number so enormous that if that number of atoms existed, there wouldn't be enough room for them to fit in our universe. See, it's not all that funny, and I think the metaphor I was trying to make was that things can unexpectedly escalate before we have any idea what's going on. I hardly remember. But along with my jokes, my metaphors can also be a little bit too far out there, so those all get a rewrite. Fourth draft, I make sure to avoid kneecapping the guest. Sometimes the guests have something really unique to say, or they have a really great way to deal with a problem that we never would have thought of. Other times they don't. Early on, this kneecapping was a real problem. These things that I make usually go on before the guest, and I used to use it as my opportunity to toss in my two cents. Sometimes I'd make the exact same point the guest was going to make. Or worse, I'd invalidate their point before they even get to make it. Everybody loved that. So, fourth way through, I keep an eye out for that. Then there's recording. This one is where it all starts to come together. Writing words is one thing, saying them is another. I usually do most phrases three times, and sometimes I'll adjust them. Other times I'll forget to keep changes consistent. One recording I changed it from being directed to you to being directed at him. That was a joy to edit. Speaking of editing, I have strange sentence structure. I don't breathe when I should. Then I have to figure out what breaths to take out. This is very tedious. I gotta get the pauses right, and I gotta get the timing of everything just right. Ultimately, I never get it right. Something always falls apart. In the editing, I may find that of my three tries, none of them are good. Or once I'm recording, something I've written doesn't sound correct when spoken. But there's something important I realized a long time ago. I know how bad it is because I know what I wanted it to be. But you don't. Everybody's clueless except for me. So if you're fine with it, then I'm fine with it. I'm not one to look a gift horse in the mouth. All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. I had no idea that was going on. It's, it's a process. I have perfected the process. You're amazing. Now, now if I could just create perfect products. But you guys don't know, so whatever. Well, we're like, how'd that go? You're like, piece of cake. Like, whatever. But really, you end like five iterations. Yeah, it goes through a lot. And you stay up all afternoon. All. <laughs> like, you're not asleep? Yeah. I'm not you... asleep from 9 a.m. to, you know, 1 p.m. If you could do this better, you could sleep more. I could. But then I'd have to do more things. See, I thought you were just ranting. I, I mean, you know, I am. But it's, I still refine it. It's, it's still worth refining. It's a refined rant. Well, I, I appreciate that. That um, says a lot. Like, yeah. I guess before you weren't thinking as much about it. And now, you were, now you're thinking about it. Mostly because we've had disasters. Yeah. We've had little disasters with them. And so I've had to. Well, yeah. The to, police have showed up. <laughs> But, those you know it's whatever it's the the kneecapping the guests that's probably the biggest one that yeah. i used to do well that was funny because here you are taking out a 
PhD that's been doing this for years. Right. Those that was really always fun to watch. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't think it was so funny. We did. Yeah, and then there's a fight in the hallway after. It's whatever. Well, um, I love them. And y- by the way, you're doing them every week. But when you're gone, what are we going to do? Uh, you're uh, the ship will have to sail without me. I think we ought to have Skyboy do a rant. Do it. Okay, Sky. Will you will you dare take on one rant this week? I don't one rant. I, I don't think I could rant. Sometimes I listen in on Bryce's rants, and we have a very special guest on Wednesday that you might want to do a rant for. I won't name names. I think I know who you're talking about, and that could be. I cool. don't want to rant about him. Okay, <laughs> Frady Cat. Okay, well, at least you're aware, self-aware. Well, I appreciate it. Have a great trip, and uh, why don't you just phone in a rant? I. We should do a live rant. Let's do a live remote rant. Let's see. That's a four-hour difference. Okay, so, so that would happen at eleven. Perfect or noon. Let's have your people call my people. Okay. I think it would be fun to have to check in with you in Hawaii. You can go for it. We're I gonna, don't know if I'll pick up, but well, we'll just keep trying. Keep trying. Um, okay, Bryce Tobin, you did it again. The man, the myth, the legend. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we are going to be talking to Sue Bergen writer and hospice chaplain about perfection. She's a recovering perfectionist, and uh, we're going to get some real clues as to how you go about blowing up this myth of perfection. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143. Want more BYU Radio? Then check out our YouTube channel where we post segments from your favorite shows. And if you have a specific episode you'd like to listen to again, or even share with a friend, then let us know on our Facebook or Twitter pages and we can add the episodes you want to hear. Check out BYU Radio on YouTube and subscribe. This is Sam McCall for BYU Radio News. While U.S. authorities continue to pressure Russia to extradite Edward Snowden to face espionage charges, more theories are surfacing about his motivation to leak information on top-secret NSA surveillance tactics. One Chinese newspaper is reporting Snowden purposefully got his NSA job to collect information about these programs. Affirmative action in college admissions will continue for now after the Supreme Court opted not to rule on a case challenging the practice, instead sending it back to a lower court with a warning to schools they will have to better justify admissions policies in the future. The first day of George Zimmerman's murder trial saw Zimmerman's family barred from the courtroom as they could be potential witnesses. Zimmerman holds he acted in self-defense when he shot and killed unarmed teen Trayvon Martin over a year ago. A new measure passing in the Texas State House will add so many restrictions to abortion clinics, most in the state will be forced to close. Democrats in the state Senate are already vowing to do all they can to stop the bill from succeeding. A fresh batch of severe thunderstorms is set to hit portions of the Midwest today, bringing with it hail, high winds, and possibly tornadoes. The storm will also likely slow down efforts to restore power to tens of thousands of people who have been in the dark since an earlier storm over the weekend.
High wire walker Nick Walenda pulled off an impressive feat of human ability over the weekend, 1,500 feet over the ground. The daredevil successfully crossed the Little Colorado River Gorge near the Grand Canyon with nothing holding him to his wire but his own impressive balance. In world news, as waters in southern Alberta, Canada begin to recede after massive floods, over 65,000 people are being allowed to return to their homes. Officials say while the city of Calgary is still in a state of emergency, about 90 percent of it should be reopened by tomorrow. Forest fires in Indonesia have continued to cause heavy haze to drift into neighboring Malaysia, reaching toxic levels over the weekend. Many Malaysian schools were forced to close today due to the poor air quality. That's the news to half past the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, here today. We're trying to blow up the myth of perfection, and um, we've invited a guest, Sue Bergen, to join us. Sue is the author of a book, Am I a Saint Yet? Healing the Pain of Perfectionism. She has one of, I think, the, the most eclectic... Um, bios I've ever seen. She has been, she's a writer and a hospice chaplain. Um, she's also earned a bachelor's degree from Brigham Young here, but she has a master's degree in journalism from Northwestern University. One of the best programs you can go to is Northwestern and a master of fine arts from UCLA in screenwriting. She's also a board certified clinical chaplain through the college of pastoral supervision and psychotherapy. And she's written uh, public in publications like the San Francisco Chronicle, the Wall Street Journal, Psychology Today, and more importantly, she wrote her own book, Am I a Saint Yet? Sue, welcome to the program. Thank you. I'm... That's a that is a cool bio. Well, thanks. <laughs> so, were you are you a perfectionist that was like trying to find yourself in amidst all of that education? Oh my gosh, you just nailed me. Is that what it was? Because <laughs> that's what happens, huh? We want and we keep wanting to be better and better and better. Yeah, and I I think um, I would realize I couldn't be as good as I wanted to be at yeah. certain things, and so I'd move on. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Well, and sometimes the degree's the easiest part of being good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Then you got to go keep doing it. Well, my first job was as a newspaper reporter, and I could not tolerate the typos I would see in the paper the next day or my mistakes. Oh, did that kill you? I couldn't sleep the whole year and a half I was a newspaper reporter. I can't watch myself (laughs) after I've done TV or radio. I can't listen. It's I don't even like that guy that you have to listen to. This guy's like, I don't either. Shush, this guy. Don't give us that lip. (laughs) Don't even pretend like you didn't say that. So help us, because I know there's people out there driving all over that are sitting there thinking, I'm a perfectionist. I gave a little quiz at the beginning with a bunch of questions. Like, did you know Andre Agassi? Did you read that article about him in Harvard uh, when he spoke at Harvard uh, University? I didn't. So here he is. He was the world champion. um, And he actually felt like when he became world champion in tennis, um, number one, he felt like – these were his words. He says – Tennis was more imprisoning to him than uplifting. He said of being number one in the world, I wasn't satisfied and I was miserable. I was tired and I simply had been through enough. Tennis and that ranking idea where you got to keep it. Mm -hmm. And if you remember, he fell from that and he fell into a spiral. And and Agassi admits it wasn't an ordinary spiral. This was all from the Huffington Post talked about his speech. It was a world-class perfectionist spiral. It was a slow, methodical, methodical, and painful spiral. Within two years, Agassi found himself in a broken marriage and addicted to crystal meth. 
Mm. And he plummeted. His plummet seemed to have no end as he rapidly fell down the tennis rankings from number one to number 141. And he realized um, that perfectionism, that goal of being perfect, was not his savior, but it was rather a debilitating infection. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it's interesting that he recognized yeah. what the cause was because I mean, a lot of perfectionists don't really recognize what's going on. They don't even see it because it's so much part of them. Well, it's interesting too. Your career, you're also a hospice chaplain, mm-hmm. so at the end of the life, mm-hmm. you probably see where the perfectionism kind of runs into the wall. I uh, have coined a term for it. I call it not good enough syndrome at the uh, end of life. And the kids probably have it, and the person never achieved it. Yeah. Um, well, and it's really generally very good people yeah. who feel like they're not good enough to meet their maker. Yeah. And it's heartbreaking to see because they're every bit, yeah. you know, ready. Well, and it, it kind of is hard to believe that that's what the maker wants. Right. You know what I mean? Like what I want you to be is to never believe you're good enough mm-hmm. and, and don't think that anything you're doing short of perfect is good enough for me. Yeah. What parent would want that? I don't believe that that's what God is thinking at all. Seems messed up. Um, So let's get into it. What is perfectionism then? So as you and here you wrote a book on it. Mm -hmm. Am I a saint? Yeah. And that's a that's a great title because we all want to be, you know, sainted. Right. Yeah. Um, What what makes us? us, Yeah. I don't want to be that anymore. (laughs) I know. Yeah. Now, you know, am I a saint? What what is it? What's the big deal about perfectionism and why is it so painful? Well, perfectionism is setting your sights so high that you cannot meet your expectations. And then when you fail, which you inevitably will yeah. because you were unrealistic in the first place, um, just thinking that you're the worst, most worthless failure ever. Um, and, of course, that hurts. Right. Um, it creates dep- depression, creates anxiety. This is what Andre Agassi yeah. was experiencing. Yeah. I mean, and it, it literally affected his game. He literally – so you have to fall. So I guess that's where we go numb ourselves. Mm-hmm. Escape, numb. And we need to start taking something to get us to get over the perfection. Mm-hmm. Is, it, um, is, it, is, it a, is it a social concept that we kind of throw on people? I mean, I know when you drive by – you know, now it used to be the perfection was you'd be the perfect maybe wife, perfect mother. Your house would be clean. You'd have a Hoover vacuum. You would uh, you'd use Campbell's soup and you'd make Betty Crocker. No, not you'd you make a homemade cake. You wouldn't use a. You'd have a your cake makeup mix. on when mm-hmm. your man walks through the door. Yeah. That used to be the image. Now it's like now you'd have the perfect body. You'd get all the right stuff. I mean, it's like now they're selling the perfect body, image, hair. Nails, everything can be bought. Yes. And so that seems to be perpetuating perfection. And, well, that's a more exterior kind of perfectionism. And there's both kinds. There's, you know, having to look perfect Mm -hmm. for the outside world. But there's also um, a deeper kind of perfectionism where you want to truly want to be the best inside and to please God, to please, you know, your parents, whoever, Um, and that's perhaps more painful. I don't know. Because it goes to the very core of who you are. Am I worth yeah. something? Am I valuable? To my highest values to, and I'm right. not cutting it. Right. Well, and it's because it seems like you do see a lot of guilt come from a lot of like religions. Yes. And it's kind of like the Catholic, the Jews, the LDS. I mean, we there's a lot of guilt associated with being incapable or unable or unwilling or just obedient, I guess. To what we think we should be. Well, and there is, you know, appropriate guilt and inappropriate guilt, and and religions are very helpful um, in teaching us 
what's right and what's wrong, helping to educate our consciences so that we have some responsibility toward others. Those things are good, but it's when we respond to not being good enough when we've tried uh, that that is uh, different from guilt. Where do you see it? Like, How do you see it as a chaplain impacting the people you deal with? Where do you see it like coming out? Uh, I see it... When people berate themselves because they can't do anymore, yeah, uh, their bodies won't let they're them do anything. They're, they're, they're disabled. Yeah. They're they're dying, or they have a terminal illness that they're going to die of, and they're so sick. I see it a lot when they start sleeping more because their body requires it, mm-hmm. and they will say, "Oh, I just wasted the whole day," or "I lazed the day away," yeah. and they will berate themselves. And I try to say, "Your body, yeah." Doesn't isn't giving you a choice. It's okay. Yeah. Let yourself sleep. Rest. <laughs> what torture where you can't do? It. I mean, it's one thing to be tortured where you could do better. I guess it's even more difficult to be tortured when you can't. Yeah. But it's it's almost just psychological torture. You still have yes. this goal. And this concept of having to be productive and useful all the time. I hear the word useless a lot. Oh, I'm so useless now. And it just breaks your heart. And a burden. And I'm a burden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you're, yeah, you're no longer a, what do they call it, a uh, like a useful member of society, a productive member of society. Yes. You're just using. And, uh, of course, people who have led good lives, and everyone has worth, yeah. whether they've led a good life, so to speak, or not. But those who have really done a lot of good in their lives, which is most people, um, it's just... I try to teach them or help them teach. That's so mm-hmm. condescending. But yeah, I, I try to help them see that being and who they've become over this lifetime of doing good things for other people, um, that is valuable. It's invaluable. And all they have to do now is radiate that. Just mm-hmm. be now. People come in to see you and visit with you. All you have to do is be. Yeah. You don't have to. Because who you've become is loving and wonderful, yeah. and you don't have to do anything. Maybe that's it, though, is we tie our identity to what we do. A grandma ties it to being able to give her kids cookies and food. Let me get, mm-hmm. let me make you something, and mm-hmm. then when they become you know disabled to the point they can't just go make something. Yeah, or then you're just kind of left vulnerable. Weeds in the yard. This yeah. is a big one. Yeah, weeds. I can't get out into the yard and you Take know care of and my plant yard. my beautiful flowers or my vegetables that I need to can you know yeah. or a bottle yeah um yeah it's it's sad that is sad it's not everybody no well or some, even be able to yeah. have the, or drive anymore or be able oh, to yes i hear that a lot oh, i'm sure you do and the mm-hmm. income and not have the resources you mm-hmm. need or i imagine a couple where the husband or wife can't take care of the other mm-hmm. and then we're now made coming up to this decision where maybe we need to go Somewhere and live together where we could be taken care of more. Right. Or if they can't afford to, one of them, oh. only one of them can go to a, a facility and the other one has to stay home. And, and what kind of parent or what kind of partner would let their child or their partner do that? Or what kind of child would let their parent go to a facility? And then all of a sudden you've got that right. guilt. And, and uh, the team that helps people who are dying, uh, which includes me as a chaplain, um, we we try to help people make those decisions in a reasonable way. Yeah. You know, guilt is not part of it. It's what is realistic. What can you physically do? You don't want to break no. a bone or, well, yeah. or s- you, you'll feel worse if they're not. If something, if someone is hurt, if someone is harmed, right. or if you have a back injury that's going to affect you for the rest of your yeah. life, that's not helpful to no. anybody. Does um, so? What's the difference then between like being perfect 
and just trying to be excellent because it seems like excellent is great. Right. And but perfection seems like takes you over the line. It does. And I ha- actually have a chart in my book that is titled Perfectionism Versus High Standards. Mm. And it's adapted with permission from David Burns, the famous psychologist who wrote the feeling um, the feeling good handbook and feeling good. Okay. With his and I adapted it for a, a more faith based audience. Yeah. Um, but for example, um, on the perfectionism side, you think you must always be strong and in control of your emotions. You fear that sharing vulnerable feelings like sadness, insecurity, or anger will call it, cause others to think less of you. And on the more healthy side, you're not afraid to show your vulnerabilities. You find that sharing your feelings and being open about your weaknesses with people you trust, not mm-hmm. just anybody, helps you progress and feel closer to others. And then I go on about failure That's and other topics. And- so excellence might be... It, uh, there's almost a component to, I guess, to know you're healthy is you're willing to be more vulnerable. You're That's willing to be thing. more open. Yes, and you're willing to make mistakes and not sink into the depths when mm-hmm. you make mistakes. You you talk to yourself and you look at it more. Oh wow, I learned from that. I'm going to yeah. do something a little different next or like, time. Like that was off. Woo. Yeah, that wasn't even Big close deal. to Let's the garage laugh. door. Yeah, yeah. I, was, <laughs> I drove right into the <laughs> right. side. But I mean, it's it does take a perspective, doesn't it? It does. Uh, it's it's changing your thinking. Yeah. And I, you know, I I'm a recovering perfectionist, and I have Get. I have lots of relief. Yeah. I feel much better. That is the relief, isn't it? We're talking with Sue Bergen, who is the author. um, She's a writer and hospice chaplain. She's the author of Am I a Saint Yet? Healing the Pain of Perfectionism. Uh, We'll be back with her at getting some more strategies for combating perfectionism. If you want to go look at her website, learn more about her her book, and go through her Q&As on her website, go to suebergen.wordpress.com. Is that the best place to go? Or just suebergen.com will take you there, too. Suebergen.com. Check it out. Suebergen.com. Am I a saint yet? We will be back right here on BYU Radio. Astronauts dress high-tech all the way to their underwear. And now you can, too. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. Keeping pilots and passengers comfortable has been an ongoing challenge since airplanes first took to the skies. And the job continues today, even for those flying in space. It's tough to keep astronauts comfortable in space, where temperatures can vary hundreds of degrees within minutes. Previous methods include embedding clumsy water hoses or electrical cables in spacesuits. There is another way, and it comes from something called phase change materials, or PCMs. PCMs can pick up or give off heat as they change states from a liquid to a solid or gas. The most common phase change material around is an ice cube. When the ice melts to water, it's absorbing heat from around itself. Take the heat away by freezing, and it turns back to a solid. NASA's Johnson Space Center and the Air Force collaborated with a private company to develop microscopic capsules containing phase change materials. These could be embedded into clothing and either cool or warm a person as needed. The end result is Jockey Stay Cool, a line of undergarments with phase change technology that can keep you 3 degrees warmer in the cold and 3 degrees cooler in the heat. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. The 2013 football season is right around the corner. Touchdown! 
Get ready for the season with BYU Football Media Day. Now we get back to the football part of it. It all begins at noon Eastern with the state of the program, followed by BYU Radio's continuing coverage throughout the day. A lasting program that is sustainable for a long, long time at the nation's top level. BYU Football Media Day, Wednesday, June 26th at noon Eastern. Here on your home for Cougar Sports, Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are with author and hospice chaplain Sue Bergen. And uh, Sue is, is the author of the book, Am I a Saint Yet? Healing the Pain of Perfectionism. And uh, she, what she's doing is taking some of her hospice lessons and life lessons and her two master's degrees <laughs> from Northwestern <laughs> University and UCLA, and she's put them all together in, you know, a, basically a debunking of the theory of perfection. Is that it? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a big And also mouthful. my own experience as a perfectionist. I mean, it's, it's not a – I mean, it's not it, – you could have worse – but this is a psychological, like, cancer, isn't it? Perfectionism is almost like, because it, it just keeps eating at every part of you. Well, and it depends on how, you know, there's a continuum. Yeah. If you're a severe perfectionist, it can be as debilitating as yeah. bipolar, as schizophrenia. I mean, Yeah, you it, don't move. You, you won't yeah, act. Yeah, you're paralyzed. Yeah. Um, um, we wanted to give away your book. So here's how this is going to work. If you're out in listener land and you have a question, you have to ask Sue a question. But if you call in with a question for Sue and we get you on the air, we will give you – we'll send you out an autographed copy of the book, Am I a Saint Yet? And so give us a call, 1-855-CHAT-BYU, 1-855-CHAT-BYU. you got to have a good question about perfection. It doesn't – by the way, it doesn't have to be a perfect question. (laughs) Just any question – uh, any way you want to ask it, we'll put you on the air. We'll ask the question. one eight five five chat byu and we'll get you a copy of the book, Am I a Saint Yet? Now, um, let's get into how we how do we correct some of this? Because the perfections, it's, you know, it's it's a big deal. A lot of times it's in the family. We've yep. kind of learned it through parents. And... Yep. Or it might be we might have a genetic predisposition. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure I do because yeah. it started really, really early with me. Like, my, my parents yeah. noticed things. That... Like your tinker toys are all lined up. <laughs> Yeah, or yeah, and I was I had insomnia from the time I was a baby. Really, it's like I did not sleep well, and that's been a pattern. But anyway, Hmm. um, well, a couple of things you can do, and I would I I've sort of taken the word correct out of my vocabulary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) it helps adjust. Uh, Yeah, adjust much better word. Yeah, adapt, adjust, Mm -hmm. Um, not fix, not fix, not you know you're broken then. Yeah, yeah. So I would say one of the things you can start with is to notice your thoughts. Uh, the things that perfectionists say to themselves are often very painful and very negative, and they don't even know it because hmm. it's so much. They marinated in, in it all the time. Yeah. They don't even know it's like, there. What are some thoughts unique to um, the Oh, I can't believe I just did that. I am such an idiot. Oh, what a loser. Yeah, what yeah. a loser. I am never going to get anything right. Yeah. Or, or oh, I didn't know that. I can't believe I didn't know that. I should have known that. <laughs> no, they, they kind of stew on it. <laughs> Why didn't I know that? Yeah. I've learned that. Yeah. Where did I? Or, yeah. wow, that was a mistake. And then... I mean, if it's a public mistake, you might lose sleep for days. Oh, because everyone saw it. Everyone saw it. Yeah. And now everyone knows how clueless you are. Exactly. You've Even though been no unmasked. And, yeah. yeah. 
Interesting. Yeah. So those thoughts are really a, they're a very strong indicator of if you're they are, and you and you have to become aware of them first. Yeah, and you know you take your time. Keep a little thought journal. Oh, look what I just said to myself, yeah. and write it down and see some like, patterns. We have like pet or our little pet thoughts, our favorite thoughts that we kind of throw out regularly, or like a phrase like "Yeah, well, I was never good at that." Yeah, or I, you know, I I used to have the one. Um, oh, I'm such a dummy. Yeah, I'm such a dummy, and I actually found myself starting to say that out loud to other people. Oh man, that was this was in my teenage years, and someone finally said to me, "If you say that to me one more time, I'm gonna get you." And I didn't even know. I didn't. I didn't register yeah. with me well, what I was a, doing. There's a great quote I just put on my Facebook page that said, um, "Don't always believe what you're thinking. Don't always believe your thoughts." Yes, and and thoughts lead to feelings, uh-huh. and uh, feelings are not facts no. because they aren't always facts. Yeah, because. You know, they're a product of our inaccurate thoughts. Paradigms, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what's funny. How do you evaluate your thinking except with thinking? But the neat, but if you're inherently a perfectionist, you will evaluate your activity as just not good enough. Yeah. Like, I'm an idiot. Well, and I have, a, I have several chapters about this in my book about yeah. how to notice your thoughts, what to do with them once you notice them, how to come up with some replacement thoughts oh, so that you're, so you're not – yeah, you don't want to just stop cold mm-hmm. turkey. Okay, I can't say that anymore. Replace it with something else. Well, and it's not like you can just say, okay, don't think – don't think that thought. You almost have to, you have to replace become it. aware of that you do it. And I mean, maybe it's even worth asking somebody like, oh, yeah. have you noticed any like self-defeating thoughts that are things that I say mm-hmm. regularly? Like, I'm not good at that. I'm never, I've never yeah. been good. And perfectionists sometimes think it's that they're just inside their heads and nobody knows. <laughs> but actually people notice. Yeah. You do say things that, that put yourself down and uh-huh. people know it. You're so self-deprecating. Yeah. Um, so the, so one key to then, and again, if you want a copy of Sue's book, give us a call and you can ask your question directly to Sue about perfectionism. And it might not even be for you. Maybe you're, you're not the perfectionist. You're just living with one. Um, or maybe your mother is. Or maybe someone you know mm-hmm. that's sick and, you know, at, at the end stages of their life is struggling with not being good mm-hmm. enough to go meet their maker. This book and Sue's uh, advice would be a great um, source for that. Again, give us a call. One eight five five chat BYU one eight five five chat BYU. Ask your question on air, and we will send out a copy of her book. Um, so, Sue, one is to watch our thoughts. Yes. What else? Well, to adjust our thoughts. Yeah, adjust. Notice um, them. Another is to be willing to be more vulnerable. Mm. Um, perfectionism is a way to protect ourselves. Yeah. Protect our image. Protect our sense of ourselves that we're okay. Yeah. And actually, it's very healing if we are willing to share our vulnerability, share our anxiety, share our fear that we're not good enough with someone that we trust, mm. especially after an event where we've made a mistake and we can see that, oh, my gosh, I'm going to lose sleep for a week now. If you share that experience yeah. with someone you trust, chances are really good that your anxiety will be reduced. And where will it go? I guess the simple fact you're sharing it will reduce it because it's, mm-hmm. you're getting it out of you. And you and you find out you're not alone yeah. because the other person always will say, oh, yeah, me too. What if you they know? say this? But what if they say, oh, my word, you're such a worry wart. Well, then you know not to. Don't go there. They're not a safe <laughs> landing zone. They're not a safe place <laughs> um, unless you're so close to them that you can take that from them in, yeah. in good humor. Um, so you don't want to share with just anyone. That's dumping. That's inappropriate self-disclosure. Yeah. 
Um, You'll lose friends. Yeah, and and it's not healing. It'll make you, you know, it's not the right person when you feel more anxious afterwards. Mm-hmm. Is there is there are there other people we might not want to? Sh- I mean, it seems like you might not want to share with somebody that also uses your guilt or your perfectionism against you. Like, oh, absolutely. Because it was, that's so subtle. I mean, I know people that actually give a perfectionist feedback that they're not perfect to keep them vulnerable. Oh yeah, that's that like would, that hurt, would not like be healthy. Hurt. Yeah, Th- that would not be healthy. It's like passive aggressive. Yeah, yeah. Um, or like, hey, can I give you some feedback? I mean, the last thing you want to give a perfectionist is feedback that's really unsolicited, right? Because they're already they're already beating themselves yeah. over the head. Um, plenty. Yeah, they don't need any more of it from anybody. Yeah. They just need a good listening ear, some empathy, not sympathy. Yeah, you no. know, you poor thing. Yeah, but empathy. I get it. I've been there too. I, you're not alone. Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful though. It is. Is um is the is that how you go about like how do I give okay, so let's not have me be the the perfectionist. Let me be living with a perfectionist. Okay. Or have one in my family. How do I approach a perfectionist that doesn't know the impact they're having on me? Um I am not a therapist. I'm trying to think how to answer that in a way that doesn't go beyond my yeah, your scope. <laughs> my expertise. Um, but I would say I would encourage, encourage the person to do counseling because as a spouse or someone really close to that person, you it's it's a little too risky, I yeah. think. No, it is. I think you need an outs you need a third party in that. Yeah, it's kind of a mediator that can hold the horses back. And yeah, sit, but you a could also gently give feedback, but stay with the eye messages. You yeah. know that yeah. that technique. I feel hurt when you Say, when I hear you saying such terrible things about yourselves. I chose you. You're my partner. Yeah. What are you saying about me? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. That's a powerful thought too, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, because it's funny about because this is just a thinking pattern, but really it is our thinking patterns gone awry that mm-hmm. create most of our relationship mm-hmm. issues. We we distort our our thinking gets distorted. That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, and again, what could be worse than feeling this at the end of our life mm-hmm. and not and, and having never said or never given a partner feedback that you're hard to live with because you're a perfectionist. You, that's something you can't just give at the end of the life if they are a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. They, so somehow we got to learn to bridge that earlier. Yes, if at or, all possible. Because you'll be tortured the rest of your life and then you don't dare say it on their deathbed. Well, and I think one way uh, this is just occurring to me is to say something like, this is hurting me, or, or rather I can see this is hurting you and it's hurting me too. Yeah. Huge. Okay, here's the deal. We've got some calls. We're not going to – we're going to take a break. And when we come back from the break, Sue's going to be taking these calls um, about perfection. And then we're going to get a little bit more into vulnerability. I think the vulnerability, by the way, that's the key to intimacy anyway, right? you got to yes. be vulnerable. But then the person you're with has to be able to sustain it and not crush you. Right. Good stuff. We're talking with Sue Bergen, the author of I Am, or Am I a Saint Yet? Healing the Pain of Perfectionism. Back with her and uh, more of the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. KBYU FM, HD2 Provo. 
Traveling with Eric Dowdle is obviously about traveling, but it's also about painting, food, trivia, culture, friends, and history. So you could say it's pretty weird. Are people competing to be weird? Because I think we could probably give them a run. Is there? Can we put that on our thing? You the weirdest show, or that? the weirdest show on BYU Radio. Uh, I think we I would think be we right up there. One. Catch traveling with Eric Dowdle weekdays at 9 p.m. Eastern here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. This is Sam McCall for BYU Radio News. While U.S. authorities continue to pressure Russia to extradite Edward Snowden to face espionage charges, more theories are surfacing about his motivation to leak information on top-secret NSA surveillance tactics. One Chinese newspaper is reporting Snowden purposefully got his NSA job to collect information about these programs. Affirmative action in college admissions will continue for now after the Supreme Court opted not to rule on a case challenging the practice, instead sending it back to a lower court with a warning to schools they will have to better justify admissions policies in the future. Over a year after George Zimmerman admits to killing unarmed teen Trayvon Martin, he is finally in court to face murder charges. Zimmerman still holds his innocence and says he acted in self-defense. A new abortion measure passing in the Texas State House is targeting not just abortions, but the clinics where the procedures are performed. If passed, the bill would ban abortions after a pregnancy reaches 20 weeks and place so many restrictions on clinics most in the state would have to shut down. A fresh batch of severe thunderstorms is set to hit portions of the Midwest today, bringing with it hail, high winds, and possibly tornadoes. The storm will also likely slow down efforts to restore power to tens of thousands of people who have been in the dark since an earlier storm over the weekend. High-wire walker Nick Willenda pulled off an impressive feat of human ability over the weekend, 1,500 feet off the ground. The daredevil successfully crossed the little Colorado River Gorge near the Grand Canyon, with nothing holding him to his wire but his own impressive balance. In world news, torrential rains in India have left rescue workers sifting through debris from several destroyed villages. Already the death toll from massive floods has topped 1,000, and 10,000 more remain stranded. Forest fires in Indonesia have continued to cause heavy haze to drift into neighboring Malaysia, reaching toxic levels over the weekend. Many Malaysian schools were forced to close today due to poor air quality. That's the news to the top of the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend. Today, we are taking on a big issue, the issue of perfectionism. Do you have anybody in your life, or yourself even, that is battling this this issue? This um, It's debilitating at times. It weakens us. It makes it so we never feel like we're good enough. It never feel like we can be good enough perfectionism and we've brought on an expert author sue bergen who's the author of am i a saint yet healing the pain of perfectionism she is joining us to walk us through um really i guess some of the tools the keys to to really getting through this yep it's a big deal welcome to the show sue thank you now we we put out a little call there for questions and uh you know if you call in um we're going to take your call, and you can ask a question to our guest, Sue Bergen. We have Mark from El Paso on the line. Mark, are you there? Yes, sir. Hey, Matt. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. Now, what's your uh, what's your question, Mark? Yes, for Matt, Sue. If I'm a coach and I'm working with an athlete who is involved 
with a little bit of perfectionism or a lot of perfectionism, how do I strike that balance between pushing my athlete to excel but not get caught up in perfectionism? And then the second part of the question is, would my approach be different with uh, a different age athlete? Would I approach oh, differently for a teenager as opposed to someone who's around 40 and above? Uh, like an adult. That's a great question, Mark. Let me just, do you see this a lot as a coach? I mean, there's, um, there's a lot of pressure from parents for the kids maybe to be better than they need to be at their age. And then a lot of the kids start picking it up. I see uh, uh, with, with youth, I see a lot of parents, like you say, pushing their youth. And I see a few youth really get caught up into not performing well because they're caught up in their minds and wanting to be perfect. Yeah. With, with coaching adults, and I work with the master athletes, 40 and above, some, especially women, um, are very self-conscious about their learning. Some, some women are yeah. very self-conscious about learning new movements, learning new skills, and uh, want to execute everything perfectly from the get-go because people are watching and they, they, they want to look good in the gym. Sure. Well, it's a great question. Let's ask away here, Mark. So, Sue, what do you think? Uh, how do we approach it? Teaching, we want them to reach for excellence, right? Right. Absolutely. But not become obsessed with perfection. Well, I think one of the things that you can say to your younger athlete, uh, is this a boy or a girl and what age about? Oh, we probably took him off. So oh, okay. Maybe just uh, just assume. Oh, are, oh, you, are you there, Mark? I'm still here. So is a boy or girls are we talking about uh, as the youth? The young one. Well, I have two daughters, and they're uh, teenagers. Uh, okay. Focus on, on women. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and it can go either way. At the gym, I work with young men as well. Okay, great. So what do you think? Well, I think a lot of reassurance. Yeah. So if you're sending a message that they've got to be perfect, um, which it sounds to me like you're not. Yeah, you're not. Yeah. Um, so I, you're probably doing a lot of things right right yeah. now, and you can't control everything that, you know, their development and all those kinds of things. Yeah. But I would say a lot of reassurance. Um Tell them they don't have to be perfect. Tell them explicitly. I, I think I think maybe you're you're thinking you, it has to be this way, but yeah. you know what? There's lots of ways to be really good at this. Um, and also go after their hearts. Um, put your heart into this. Don't worry so much about yeah. uh, whether it's exactly the right move or you're hitting it exactly right. Get your heart into that because they're there, and we're all here for the joy of what we what we want to do. So help them feel that joy, and even if they don't get exactly where you think they should be or they want to be in terms of skill, you will have triumphed in helping them be a I better and happier person. It seems like framing it as our goal is progress, not perfection. Um. So part of it is let's just see the progress and mm-hmm. let's see what we're doing. With a little every at a stroke. time, right. baby steps. Those words yeah. are really helpful to perfectionists. A little at a time. Yeah. Just don't worry about um, how much better you are today. Let's see how much better you are in a week or two weeks. Or I had another weeks. coach that was on the show once that said, and you can also ask them to talk about what it would look like if it was done better. Mm-hmm. So instead of just beating up what they did wrong on the mm-hmm. stroke or whatever the issue you're coaching, mm-hmm. ask them to try to imagine what it would look like if it was cleaner or better or more effective. So then what you're doing is you're, they're framing it as – it's not – but don't ever use perfect. But framing it as what what it would either look like, healthier, better, mm-hmm. or what is happening presently that's better. Like you really did a good job planting your feet on that one. Yeah. So always keep finding the good part of every moment. And let's just get a little closer uh-huh. to let's X, get Y, closer or Z. To our not, yeah. yeah. 
progress. So that's the youth. How would you handle a 40 or above? Oh, wow. That's harder because it's so ingrained. I know. It really is, <laughs> huh? And, and they're actually, they might be just as smart as you as a coach. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, but but I think pro- a lot of the same things would work. A lot of reassurance, a lot of, um, let's find the the joy in this. I, yeah. That's probably not the yeah. language that you would want to use. No, but, but like find the purpose, the mission. Yeah, and enjoy this. Mm-hmm. Let's not get caught up in too much exactness, even though you need some exactness. Yeah. I understand that. Um, it seems like um, the there's the there's the the problem with perfection is it's working your thought pattern, mm-hmm. where a lot of sports kind of is just muscle memory, and it's right. so. It's almost like if you can take their mind off of the thought. It's almost when you think about having to serve a tennis ball, it gets a lot harder than if you're thinking about something else and just serving a tennis ball. Well, and you could do some exercise like uh, getting the wiggles out in the sense of, okay, you know the saying, uh, dance like nobody's watching? Let's do something really silly. Everybody's watching. We're going to do something really silly, and you're going to look really stupid. Yeah. Everyone's going to be – no one will be watching. we're all going to look stupid. And now, okay, when you're trying to learn this technique, oh, well, you look stupid. I loved it. When my I played a little tennis, and when my tennis coach would say, "Okay, we're going to do one minute drill. You have one minute to hit as many balls over as you can. All I need you to do is hit, 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 hit." And so for one minute straight, we would hit, 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 and we they'd record us. So um, what would happen is I wouldn't have time to think. Yep, you You don't have any time to think. You just do it. And he would record us, and then we'd sit down, and we'd have to go watch and identify everything we were doing that was working. Because something oh, was happening like that. that was working. And um, then about an hour later, we do it again and hit, 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 hit. And his whole goal was to turn off your brain. And the speed of having to do something meant you couldn't think. So, yeah. I mean, the perfection's hard. And it, it sounds is. like in a way with it might be even harder for women. I mean, maybe it's not because men's maybe the male ego gets involved. But. Like well, he was but women, about, their physical, yeah, you know, their physical they, bodies yeah. are so judged so much yeah. all I mean, the time I bet. in every situation. Yeah. And you want to be graceful. You want to be. Yeah. So you're not even running into their ability to do a sport. You might be running into their self-awareness of their body. Yeah. Which is why maybe women are super aware of their of what other people are seeing in their body. It's interesting because men are really aware of women's bodies, but they're not aware of their own body, isn't it? And women are very aware that men are very aware of their bodies. We're messed up. This is so messed up. (laughs) Was any? I hope some of that was no. I think that was that was very good. And um, but in a weird way, there's a Carl Jung had a quote that said that which is most personal is most universal. Hmm. So what 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 a youth is battling with is probably similar to what an adult would be battling yes. with. It's just, like you said, they've dug in deeper. Yeah. Dug in much deeper. Let's take another call. Uh, Greg from Santa Barbara. Greg, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Hi there. How are you, bud? Good. Good. What's, uh, what's your question for Sue on perfectionism? Well, I you may have already covered this, uh, but I just caught you in the last part of the last hour, so I apologize. You bet. You're fine. But, uh, and I'm not sure, is, is Sue um, a Mormon or she's just uh, a guest on, on this Sue show? Sue is, I believe you're LDS, I am are LDS, you? and, and the book is written somewhat for an LDS audience. So this, the name of the book is Am I a Saint Yet? And Sue is, but she's, she, this is actually what's fascinating about Sue. She's a clinical chaplain through the College of Pastoral Supervision and Psychotherapy. So they kind of teach you to reach out a, 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 around even bigger than your own faith belief. Into yes. other faith beliefs. Yes, to value what is what's out there, strengthening and comforting to people in all religions. Yeah. So, what's okay. your question, my Greg? Question, yeah, my question is, 
Within the Church, there is a significant amount of pressure on women, or, or really they feel that pressure significantly to have the perfect marriage, the perfect family, the perfect home. Yeah. They're doing their, their food storage and their, you know, emergency prepared. They're, you know, there's so much that they have on this list that it's overwhelming right. um, to be perfect, and maybe that's really the intent of your book. And I was just wondering if there are any maybe tidbits that you have to share to that's help great. women who are maybe feeling overwhelmed with the list. Well, and like, and that's a great question, Greg. Hang on, and we'll have her a- answer that because it seems like, in uh, you know, in the Bible, be therefore perfect, even as I, your Father in heaven is perfect, or whatever. And it, all of a sudden, you feel this pressure to like. So, if I want to be with God, and I think it's kind of a universal religious mm-hmm. thing, we want to be good. Yes, God is good, right? Devil, evil. So we want to be good, and then you know. It adds to it, wanting to be a perfect mom, perfect wife, perfect house. Yes. What, what do you? What's your take on? Well, that? I think the men in women's lives are a key to this. Yeah. That um, they need constant, frequent reassurance. Women do that. They don't need to do this. They don't need to accomplish this list, and and they need help yeah. with the things that are essential. Yeah. Um, they need a, a lot more help than I think a lot of them are getting, um, and also. They just need to simply reject. You have to reject when, you know, the list says you have to do things that you cannot do. Yeah. You you must say, I cannot do this and, uh, and be a joyful. No, really. Learn to say no. Learn to say no without guilt. Church, uh, LDS church leaders have been speaking on this theme a lot. And I've collected some of their um, their teachings about this in my book and listen to them they are saying you don't have to do yeah. this you don't have to be this way it and seems more self-imposed or not more but sometimes we self-impose it um it, it, i i think a lot of times we make a story up because it's easier to believe that we have to and then be discouraged and then not yes than it is to just i also think do it the is, little you can do i also think it was there no i think it totally and, was it was yeah. and it got um yeah. s- sort of set in stone yeah. but it's not there anymore right and we can listen to the newer messages that are saying you don't have to do these things well, and that's, this way. Some of that's going back to your thinking. So if you have a thought pattern mm-hmm. that keeps kind of reinforcing an idea that – and the way you know, I assume, is I guess if you start getting bogged down in your perfectionism to the point that you're medicating, you're sleeping, you're just avoiding you're life. You're numbing. You're mm-hmm. numbing yourself. Spending all your time on Facebook or Pinterest. Yeah. 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 If you're in these avoidant patterns, it's probably a sign – you're you're believing the wrong thought. Yeah. You're chasing the wrong rabbit down the hole. I agree. You think? It's a big deal. And it's um and let's go to that. That goes it kind of takes us back to vulnerable. You almost have to be vulnerable to look at your own thought pattern. And if you won't question it, um I can't tell you how many times in my coaching with couples I've seen they end up coming into this argument where um one person assumed the other needed it or wanted it or thought it, and the other had never said it and had never thought it or wanted it or needed it. It was almost self-imposed. We do a lot of distorting of yeah. our own thoughts and other people's. Yeah. So we part hear of this, what we want to hear. That's what you're we, saying, huh? Yeah. 
be vulnerable to even evaluate your own thinking. Yes, and this is true with any kind of neurosis, if you want to put it that way. Yeah. You know, with uh, you know perfectionism or anything, be willing to examine yourself honestly. Without, and you don't have to do it in a way that says, "Oh, I'm so terrible." You can do it in a way that says, "Oh, I'd like to learn. I'd like to be happier. I'd yeah. like to make the people around me happier." Yeah. And I can do that if I get healthier. I think that's awesome. And I guess what our goal is, we're going for progress. We're going for improvement. Mm-hmm. We're little at a time. Little at a time. And it's funny because even when I say that, like I'll just teach a workshop somewhere and then they'll all be thinking, okay, I'm going to perfect that. I'm just going to take that point. I'm just going to get really good at that one thing. Mm-hmm. And it then the, well, it's really like good. The, that was a good word. Yeah, but, but perfect but, is. But it's almost like they killing. use the language because they they can't say perfect. Yeah. But I'm going to be near but, perfect. But people do. Yeah, they, they exactly. do use that, and I take it. It is out of my vocabulary. I the word perfect. Yeah. Just unless it's my dentist putting on a new crown. Okay, be perfect. I want it perfect. <laughs> Nothing's but perfect. You know Sue. what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. It's um, the vulnerable too is interesting because. It, it seems like it would create a little humility. It's almost like sometimes your perfectionism is feigned humility. Like you, you almost need to be humble enough to know it's never going to happen. Yeah. But the irony take is – Take it off the table. Take it off. But it's, there's some that are like, mm, I don't know because I'm pretty close. <laughs> I'm pretty close on a few things. No, you're not. Not even – and so it's like the minute you're thinking that, you see, you just showed how far away you are. Yeah. Um. So if, as we're wrapping this up, if you had to sit there and say, what's the one thing, okay, the one thing that makes the biggest difference in blowing it up, in healing the pain from perfection? Well, I'm going to disobey you and give you two. Great. Let's give me three if you got them. Um, they're both things we haven't talked about yet. One is, um, you know, for me and my belief system, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, for, so whoever your your God is, look to that God and ask for help. Yeah. I mean, the source of perfection would be there, right? Yeah. And the source of perfect love. Mm -hmm. Love heals so much. And the other one is gratitude. Gratitude heals just about everything. And why is gratitude related to perfectionism? Because in perfectionism, you're constantly comparing. I'm not good enough compared to this. I'm not good enough compared to that. Um, Actually, if you start to think that and notice you're thinking that and you turn it to gratitude, I am so grateful that I have these blessings. I am so grateful that I have a beautiful home, even though it's not, you know, if I start comparing, it's not what lots of my friends have. Yeah. What I have is wonderful. Yeah. And you just just the gratitude and it's not listing your blessings. It's uh, a way of being and actually yeah. a practice. And that, feeling it into your heart, feeling the gratefulness mm-hmm, into your mm-hmm. heart. And some people have trouble feeling that who are perfectionists. They have trouble with their feelings overall. And you have to you have to do it for a while before you feel it. That's powerful. So love Look to your God, your higher source, mm-hmm. which, again, is uh, supposedly the root of all of these goals would be to get to a God, I guess, or to just gratify yourself. Maybe that's what perfection is, is trying to be gratifying ourselves. Some of it is. I think some of it's pretty innocent yeah. and pretty um, well-intentioned. Yeah. We yeah. want to be the best we can be. Yeah. And then – so look to your God and the real source of peace. And then um, the other one was gratitude. Yeah. And find a grateful heart for what you have been given, which is, I guess, starting to notice the blessings. Mm-hmm. And, and actually, not the shortcomings. Uh, no, like, oh, yeah, but it was a great blessing, but then I blew it, and I just oh, I blew it. 
Yeah. That would have been so good if I had not blown that and then mm-hmm. my life. Don't second guess, huh? Don't second guess your life. We're talking to Sue Bergen. You can go get a copy of her book, Am I a Saint Yet? Healing the Pain of Perfectionism. and uh, Or just go to her website, Sue Bergen with an I, B-E-R-G-I-N dot com. Sue Bergen dot com. Sue, thanks for joining us. Thank you. This has been just so fun. This is awesome. You were near perfect. <laughs> I'm See so how glad that I wasn't all the way. It? I know. <laughs> you were awesome. We appreciate it. We're going to take a break and come back, wrap up the show with a little, uh, a few questions from the internet. This is the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio. A robot that roams hospital hallways on Earth has Mars rovers in its heritage. This is Innovation Now bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. QCBot is a robot for everyday hospital tasks, built by Vecna Technologies of Cambridge, Massachusetts. The robot does everything from escorting patients through the maze-like corridors of a large hospital complex to delivering and picking up medications, biological samples, and even taking out the trash. But QCBot, cool as he is, owes his job to Rocky Seven. Rocky 7 was a jet propulsion lab test bed for systems and software in Mars rovers in the 1990s. Rocky was built to develop what's called autonomous navigation in a robotic platform. Early moon rovers, for example, were remotely driven by human pilots, like a toy radio-controlled car. That's tough to do on the moon with several seconds radio delay due to distance. But it's impossible to do on Mars, where the round-trip radio time lag could be 40 minutes or more. So Rocky and rovers to follow drive themselves. You tell them a destination, and they figure out the best way to get there, steering themselves. This feature is what lets the hospital helper bot navigate down halls and even take elevators by itself when running errands. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Listen to BYU Radio to color your world. Matt Townsend is the guide on the side, helping you better connect with people and the world around you. You could say he's a relationship guru. Matt discusses things like getting over grudges, bettering self, overcoming problems, and discussing what it is to be. Listen to the Matt Townsend Show weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern. Another great BYU radio program to color your world. On Sirius XM Channel 143, BYU Radio. Talk about good. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. As we wrap up the show, we are going to uh, do a little bit of our segment here. The Internet Asks, Matt Answers. Is that right, Colonel That's Sanders? Right. You have some questions. You're here. back. Let's hear them. We have a big stack of them here. comes from a uh, young man whose uh, father passed away from cancer. Mm, how young does it say? Uh, 20s. Okay. Mid to late 20s. He says he knows he has to deal with all the end-of-life stuff, and, you know, funerals and what have you. But he says... I feel awful about this, but all I want to do is drink, smoke, and just party with my friends and ignore all of this. But obviously, I'm going to stay here and take care of things. But in thinking about what I really want to do, I feel guilty, numb, juvenile for feeling that. Is that normal? Yes, 150% normal. So that's sad. I mean, what he's feeling are signs of grief, right? And he's probably depressed. He's probably in avoidance, right? He's avoiding the situation, and he's now – he just wants to medicate and numb himself. So 
here's the deal. In the end, he will feel more guilt by staying in the pattern than he will by dealing with the pattern. So my suggestion to him, he needs some help. Um, It's the last thing he wants to hear probably, but I would find a way to go get a grief counselor and just open up. And it'll it, so in, in lieu of the party money and the alcohol money to escape it, if you would just go talk to a counselor for a little bit, let them help you grieve. There's there's even inexpensive ways to do it because you can go to a grieving group, and in the group you can at least share your feelings and get some of these feelings out. What he's feeling is natural. There's a natural process of grieving. He'll go through, through certain steps, and then eventually um, – he can heal. You're not going to heal ever avoiding what you know you should be doing. So what's happening is the more he avoids doing what he knows he should do, the more guilt he's going to have. The more guilt he has, the more he's going to have to drink The more he, and, and escape and numb. And the more numbed he, numbed he gets, the more he's not going to do. So you then get in a cycle uh, where you're disabled and you're nonproductive, and especially productive toward your end goal, your dreams. And um, so he needs help. The homework assignment, he needs to go get a counselor or a grief group. And it doesn't have to be like, tell me your feelings, Larry. It's not always all feeling-oriented. Sometimes it's just learning what's normal, learning how to cope. Most of us, by the way, think of it. We don't learn a coping skill till we need it. And then right in the middle of it, you don't have it. Well, how else do you learn to cope with death except going through death? And he's he's young enough that he probably hasn't gone through this much. So he's just hiding. That's That's his answer. Man, good luck to you, really. Get the help you need. Okay. Well, thank you. Another angel got wings. Next question comes from a woman in her uh, late 30s. Typical yes. Facebook user. Has okay. about 600 friends, family, yes. colleagues, Popular. extended family, uh-huh. work, networking contacts, more family, Boy. acquaintances, extended family, uncles, aunts. Few people that just Kids, are... friends, moms. Yeah. Just everybody. Everybody. You know? The problem is... She's getting more and more unsolicited parenting advice from her extended family. Oh, like parenting her own children advice? Yeah. Well, you know, the thing you really need to do is you need to just tell your kid that they, you know. Yeah. She just, leave me alone. She's sick be of parent. it. But where it's finally starting to get out of hand is, I guess, the, the patriarch of the family, the, the father or grandfather, whoever has died. And she's in charge of having to deal with all the end-of-life Family, trust, money, yeah. inheritance stuff. And as you can imagine, Uh-oh. she's getting a lot of critiques of, oh, you're mismanaging the money. No, that's not the way dad wanted it. And these are public critiques on her Facebook. On her Facebook where all of her friends can see and it's getting nastier and nastier. And she's at a point where she's saying, well, you know what? Do I just shut the Facebook down? But then you can't talk to your Kids, friends, parents, right. you can't talk to your coworkers yeah. at work, all the other things that you use it for. Okay. But then you also don't want to go around and unfriend all your family no. members. What do you do? Okay, great question. A, um, look at this. <laughs> this is a pretty modern problem. But because now we have these public boards where everyone can get back at you. Facebook does have give you the ability to actually block a user or block somebody that's sending you information. What I would personally do is I'd go – it's probably when – if I'm a betting man, it's, this is going to come down to two or three people. There's two or three people that are making her life difficult. I would probably go to each of them one-on-one in a private even chat or face-to-face if you want and just say, look, I, I don't mind having these conversations with you. I can't have it on Facebook. My business goes through my Facebook. 
my personal friends and everything like that goes through the Facebook. So if you want to have these conversations, can you just call me or private message me? If not, I have to block you, and I don't want to block you. Now, um, watch, the, watch her mind, though. It was really interesting. A lot of us have this mentality called dichotomizing where we make something an either-or. Either I keep my Facebook up and just take it from these evil, horrible people, or I turn it off and then destroy my ability to use it with everyone else. That's a very natural way of thinking as humans. And when we make something an either or, we've basically eliminated 5,000 other possibilities. One possibility is just shut off the three users that are driving you crazy. Don't let them in. You don't need to shut all your family off. Just shut those three off. Um, another one is you could um, go, have a, go have a meeting. Like what you might want to do is take all the family people offline, have a meeting, Skype everyone in that's involved, and start having regular meetings where they can vent these feelings out in a more private setting than in um, on Facebook. You might also want to just recognize the fact that you might be dealing with what I call some jacked up family members that don't have a clue how to be effective socially. So they're just going to throw you out under the bus on the on the on Facebook. If that's the case, don't get energized by him. We don't let the most relationally challenged people lead our show. And if somebody doesn't get that you don't say certain things about the will and the and the funeral and everything, and you don't throw that out over Facebook, then we obviously know they're kind of relationally challenged. They're social media challenged. They don't get that. Or they're punitive and they're hurtful. Either way, I'd probably cut them off or find another way to call. Like I personally, if I knew I was going to be constantly affected by somebody, you know, every week, I'd make sure I'm calling them every week. Let them rant, ask them every time. Please don't go to Facebook. I don't want to have to cut you off. I don't want to just ignore you that way. I would love to have you on part of my social network, but you know, you're a grown up. That's my answer to that one. And uh, thank you, another angel got their wings. Um, This is the Matt Townsend Show. Remember, the show is about perfection. Can I just challenge you? Let's just start seeing the good. See how blessed you are. Let's start making our lives not about perfection, but about progress. Are you seeing progress every day? Remember, that is the goal of uh, Matt Townsend Show and BYU Radio is to help you see the good in the world. Folks, life is very, very good. Don't get uh, worn down just because you're, you're having a hard time now. Keep listening to The Matt Townsend Show. We'll keep bringing you the light. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back tomorrow right here on BYU Radio.